Chug-a-lug, chug-a-lug Make you want to holler Howdy-ho From your friends at Tivoli Brewing Company and the Department of Communication, Arts, and Sciences at MSU Denver, this is Unfiltered. And here are your hosts, Jay Schrader and Dr. Samuel J. Man, him, man, this other fool decide that we'll drink up what's left. Hey, uh, hello. Hello. How are you? Have you been all right? Fantastic. You do have a bit of an, an Adele thing going on. That's ELO. That is not Adele. Yeah, close enough. <laughs> Actually, she probably stole that. She had to have stole yeah, that. Yeah, it sounds familiar. Her sounds familiar. is hello. Wow, that just clicked. She stole it. Is that their song? Yeah. Not the entire song, but that, uh, that intro. Just that intro. Do, yeah. do, 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 do. <laughs> do, do. We cover all aspects. It's called Unfiltered for a reason. Beer and not beer related. So, Fair enough. So yeah. where are we, Jay? Uh, we are at one of my favorites, actually, Call to Arms. If it wasn't so fucking far away from my house, I'd be here a whole lot more often. Do you say that about every brewery? Uh, no, actually, <laughs> I do like this one. Um, I have. There are several breweries where you're like, oh, this is going to go sideways real fast. Oh, yeah, you can always tell. Anyway, we're at uh, Call to Arms Brewing in uh, Old. We're on Old Tennyson Street. Um, Sam, I don't know if you know the history of this hood, but we're right down the street from the original Elitch Gardens. I know, yeah, you can still see the, uh, it's the big, uh, the theater, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah whatever's yeah, on yeah. 38th. Is it 38th? No. I don't know what it's no. at. Uh, yeah, I think it's 38th. Gentlemen, please introduce yourselves. Uh, my name is Chris Bell. I'm one of the co-founders, co-owners of Called Arms. Love it. And my name is John Cross, also co-founder, co-owner. Thank you for having us today, gentlemen. Thank you guys we, for we being here. We greatly appreciate it. Um, we're drinking your beer. We're going to try to record back here in the uh, in the brew room, uh, brew house, I guess we'll call it that. What's the exact address, though, just in case people want to find it? Uh, we are at 4526 Tennyson Street. Okay. So the fastest way, I guess, for me to get here was go to 70, exit, what, Lowell, go all the way through to Tennyson, take a left. Yep, correct. That's this it. place is crazy down here now. I haven't been here in like three years. It is just wild. Yeah, it's it, been blown up. It's, it's absolutely nuts, man. Like uh, when we, we signed our lease in 2014, yeah. and just from then until now i mean it was all like single family homes and bungalows and now it's like apartment high rises and condos and it, it it's nuts the the population was five thousand. berkeley's like a one mile square okay. uh neighborhood technically uh and it was five thousand people when we got here and now it's 8500 how'd you pick this spot john found it well john's originally from colorado um so born and raised? Yeah. Born and raised. Yeah. Look at that. So Downtown, man. St. Joe's. Wow. That's legit. Hell yeah. Two fucking unicorns in the same room. Wow. There's, <laughs> there's seven of us in the whole state. So, Dude. You guys shit rainbows. We've got two sevens you know right what now. They say? <laughs> they say one in ten right now. That's one nuts. In ten is that really true? Wow. One in ten is born and raised. Wow. Where, where are you from? Uh, originally New York, and then yeah. I did high school in Connecticut, and then I came to CU for uh, undergrad. So wait, is that how you two met each other? Actually, no, but it's surprising because we were there at exactly the same time. So we think, and we kind of know people in common, so we think that we were definitely partying together and not I was knowing say, <laughs> Yeah, we for sure saw each other without knowing each other. You wandered point. in the same pack on the hill once or twice? Oh, yeah, absolutely. For sure. At the sink, late night. Yeah. Dude. Is that place still open? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got my signature on the ceiling. You guys remember Kay's China? Holy shit, that place was nuts. I went to Iowa. I, don't, I, mean, uh, I didn't really go You don't know Kay's China? It's no, gone. It's $5 yeah. triples, dude. Every oh, Friday. Oh, God. You get, fi- you get triple Jack and Cokes for 
five bucks, and then people started falling off the roof patio, and that, that got shut down real quick. I Remember they know. had the volcano over there, where yeah. it was like a shot of what was it? Yeah. It was, it was a shot like of Everclear everything. or something everything. like that, and they had like punch around the volcano and you had to chug it out of a straw and then everybody the first person who finished like threw their straw into the I Everclear like the sound of this place shot yeah. of, shot it's of gone decisions. I, it's gone apparently this is what two years at CSU and then another 20 to get your degree will yeah, do for you, you. Did it, you did it. <laughs> I didn't get to I didn't get to have the volcano I'm just proud of you that you finished yeah very wow it's been uh, what six months now you got a degree Congrats. Yeah. Well, we got really emotional here. Yeah, that's Bro right. Talk. Let's go back to John found the place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so jo- I mean, yeah. So we, so we, how easily we go off the track. Yeah. Totally, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and rain us in because we do that too. No, no, no. We like it this way. That's how life is. It's, it's, but, not, a, it's uh, not a clear linear, linear progression. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, we, we looked all over town. Like we, you know, coming from. What Avery, year was this, by the way? This was, we we put this whole plan together in 2013 when we were both at Avery. Uh, and then we were like seriously looking like late fall, um, winter of 2013. We put our notice into Avery and we, you know, took a look at like all, well, basically everywhere. Like we were looking at like North Boulder all the way down as, as south as like. Um, Castle Rock, and then we started looking at like neighborhoods in Denver, whether it was like Cap Hill, Wash Park, Berkeley, the Highlands, whatever. Um, and yeah, I, I, you know, growing up kind of on the west side of town, like I remember when this neighborhood was, uh, you know, it was really undeveloped. It was an older neighborhood, and then they started doing this like urban renewal on Tennyson Street. And I had a friend who opened a business down on like 39th. Plug and it. Plug it, baby. Well, they they went out of business. Don't plug it. No, but never, we, never mind. They, they gave away too much liquor. So they're no longer here. But we we had a good feeling about this street. We knew it was going to keep getting developed. Um, there were projects in the works at the time. So we were kind of looking at that like, hey, you know, like there's going to be apartments. There's going to be more people. There's going to be young people, renters and whatnot. So, yeah. Made you sense. know, our whole, our whole goal was always just to be a neighborhood brewery. No real distribution. So that's... I don't know. We basically looked to John. <laughs> Where? What are the neighborhoods, man, that you think are best since you know the area so well? We we looked at basically three places that John was like, these are fire. Who and made the cut? Like, what other hoods made the cut? Yeah, uh, we were real close on a place down in Cap Hill. Okay. Uh, demographically, it made sense. The rent was a little high. The building needed a lot of work. And then we, honestly, we... we we had another spot on this street that we were looking at pretty seriously. Yeah. Um, okay. Which has now been knocked down. But now, yeah. It's, yeah. Then that was a big. That was a big thing, right? We were like, "Well, what are you guys gonna? What are you gonna do with the building?" And they're like, "Well, we're probably gonna knock it down in like a couple of years." Yeah. So. Oh, thanks. Uh, that yeah. helps. So yeah, thank you. That's not a question we get to ask enough. So, you know, when you're looking for a particular space to make a brew house, what are you looking for? Old, old, you know, warehouse areas. Like, what, what is it? Uh, yeah, uh, it kind of depends on what your model is, but uh, generally concrete floors, high okay. ceilings, and uh, you know if there's easy drainage. We got really lucky. This building was um, originally the Denver Telephone Company building, okay. so the floors are pitched and they're oh, concrete. Nice. So like the the trucks used to drive in and park right here. That's why there's still paint lines on the floor. Would they just wash them off? Well, yeah, and the snow would melt in the winter, and oh, so the, they would all go down to that's the trench drain. I mean, anytime a brewer walks into a building that's released and uh, it's already got a trench drain, it's, we're in business. I mean, yeah, this, <laughs> this is one of those rare spots where we walked in, we were like, oh, fuck yes, this is a brewery. Yeah. What would right that here. cost to actually re-slope it, like ten grand? 
Oh my God! I have no idea. We, we had a running joke uh, during the build out, and and if you talk to anybody around the city, everything costs ten grand. Yeah, Jeez, and that's just please. starting. So. Yeah, I mean, pouring slabs is expensive. Just to get the trench drain redone was what like you. We talked about this recently. Bucks, yeah, four thousand like bucks. That? Just and it was already there. Yeah. Just to put epoxy on it was four grand. Wow. So the guys that uh, we went to Go Patch a few weeks ago, and it was they're they're an old schoolhouse. Same idea. Like yeah. everything's in the uh, former cafeteria auditorium. slash auditorium. Yeah. It all slopes down yeah. into that back where kids throw up. And they but they didn't have any. They didn't have any. I think they had to customize the drainage over there. Did they have to? And then I think about Holiday and her new production facility. Yep. But yep. they did that custom. She had dirt floors when she moved in there. So you guys so. pick out this spot. Um, and what did this used to be? Sorry, it used to be what? Uh, it was the Denver Telephone Company's like utility truck parking garage. Wow. Okay. And somebody, genius, got a hold of it. John Zawatsky was his name. He picked it up. I don't know, John. It was, was ninety three. Oh, it was that yeah. He lady? bought it in ninety three for pennies oh, on the dollar. Bought it in ninety three. Yeah. I thought he was ninety three. No, no, Wasn't he that? bought it in ninety three. He lived here, so he. Uh, he built his own house in the front half of the building, and then he was, uh, like Chris said, like a, like a motocross, like professional motocross racer in the 70s and 80s and 90s. Uh, so he turned it into kind of this like by the seat of your pants, like Denver motorcycle museum. And at one point, he had 350 bikes back here. Sweet. Um, okay. So when we came in and looked at the building, there was still a house in the front. Like, the whole restaurant in the front was a house. It was, like, built into, like, the rafters and everything. And he lived in there, and this was all just, like, motorcycles, and his Porsche was back here. And, and So it was you guys nuts. bought this entire thing? We didn't buy anything. Okay. If we bought something, we wouldn't be here. We'd have okay. a brewer talking to you. We'd be in Mexico. <laughs> That's allowed. Fair enough. <laughs> we like that. The real estate market has gone bonkers, so. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm going to give you guys props just for recognizing ahead of the curve. Right, and I, I I'm gonna point out it's this place pro- is so cool. probably a local local sniff test, right? Mm-hmm. He knew what was going on in this hood, um, and thirteen fourteen, well ahead of the curve yeah. as far as I can tell. I mean, yeah. the fact that somebody had the foresight to put ever whatever the hell that thing is on on the top of the tap room here is that an apartment or office building? Oh, uh, so that w- that was built in later. So oh, that was added we, after the fact. Yeah, so that was all parking lot out front, and then that was part of our our lease was that addition. Uh, so they, they came back in like a year after we were in here and dug that out and built that whole like two and a half story thing. We were dying for the space. I actually so. remember that story from, I guess from Jesse probably, which now makes sense. So I forgot about that. So who's brewing beer to begin with? Like who, who, who okay. So you got a space, but obviously you got to make beer. It's not like you're right. making, you know, well, Chris and I mache. both, I mean, have, have years of experience professionally brewing. Okay. Um, give us a so. quick burst on that. Will you? I mean, yeah. I know the story. Sam knows the story. Our listeners, all uh, seven of them. Yeah, I mean, it starts out the same way everybody says. So, you know, I was going to see you, and so was John, but I started homebrewing there and got way into it. And uh, when I graduated, Dad was like, hey, you know, you're off the payroll. You better figure this out. So <laughs> um, I was like, all right, I got to find a job. And I started applying to breweries. Uh, everywhere I did a quick stint at Twisted Pine just doing packaging they weren't even paying we were just trading beer I just wanted the experience and then uh, I met somebody at my brother's graduation was like uh, hey I know somebody who works for Long Trail Brewing Company in Vermont and uh, so I gave them a call and uh, set up an interview flew out there got the job and was able to brew there for three and a half years 
when I left, I was the senior brewer and then went to Avery and kind of started all over, just started brewing. Uh, in fact, John was the, my first solo shift on the brew house. John was mid grain out from a graveyard shift and handed me the shovel. So <laughs> pretty funny because all these years later, here we are doing the same thing. So, um, so what's your relationship to beer? Like when, when was the first time you're like, Oh, uh, actually, it was the Sam a, Adams long shot. I don't know if anybody remembers uh, that, but that that was sort of the comp, the homebrew competition where you send all your beer into Sam Adams, and if you won the competition, they bring you to Boston for free, and you know you'd brew the beer and um, all that. And that's one you know we're broke college kids, and when we figured out, wait a second, we can make our own booze, and that's kind of how it started. And, and then you just start. You know, I don't know if you guys know Liquor Mart in Boulder, but my God, talk about a selection. And so we would go in there. A buddy of mine, actually, his name is Duncan. He's the owner of Aspen Brewing Company. Holy shit, you know Duncan? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. That's our second interview. Yeah, there you go. So (laughs) him and I were home brewing together and getting getting way into craft beer. And then it just kind of took off from there. And I've never done anything else. So that makes total sense. What do they call that? A journeyman? Uh, I don't. Yeah, I guess kind of. But that motherfucker made me do the interview at Aspen, uh, like December twenty fourth on no, the street, 28th, and it was like ten degrees outside. He's yeah. like, "Oh, let's go down. Do it, we'll do it outside." And uh, 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 I one of the real housewives from Orange County walked by. She was like, "Hey, <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey!" Little plug. My for wife's the- like, "Oh my god, is that Sonia?" What's up? Yeah, that's that. that is she now indicted on the college scandal? <laughs> different different <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Okay, I like Duncan. He's a good. He's a good guy. He's yeah. a good interview. Yeah. yeah as soon yeah, as you yeah. said Aspen, I knew you were gonna. Yeah, I know. No, lose no, your he's, shit. Yeah, he's a, a he's a he's become a friend. I think so. Yeah, yeah he's a good guy. Yeah. that's cool. So such that a good friend. Sense, such a good friend that he hooked you up with these guys because that no, did not no, happen. No, what no, happened no. there? With these guys, dropped the ball. No, no, I just reached out. No, no, see, see, now I'm going to call Duncan and be like, what the hell, man? Yeah, see, no, this is no, what it's, I, it's, I'm usually here to stir up trouble. Okay, so that's how <laughs> that happened. Yeah, okay. and then John on a totally different path, but... Let's hear it, John. More impressive. Oh, my, I mean, it, it's uh, it's pretty simple, man. Like, I I got out of college in 07 with a biology degree. Uh, he was pre-med. And when you, when you get a bachelor's in ecology and evolutionary biology you're like what the fuck am i gonna do yeah. with this thing yeah so i uh you know i've been homebrewing for years uh went and worked at like a like a vet for a while like as a vet tech and i was like oh, this no. is horrible you have to like poke puppies all day they hate you <laughs> this is not at all the fun exciting party i thought it was gonna be like i don't get to play with them i just get to hurt them we should talk um, about your retirement dream as yeah. a segue so, but yeah i want to open a, a, a dog rescue farm at some point but that's neither here nor there a hops um, and dog rescue farm. hops and dog rescue farm uh, so basically after a couple of years out of college, I was like, well, fuck it. Like I want to do like, you realize at some point you're like, I can make beer as a job. That's a really cool revelation. Uh, so I applied to the UC Davis, uh, master brewers program, oh, nice. went out, moved out to California, uh, cranked through that and, uh, ended up getting hired straight on at Avery because the head of production at the time was another graduate from okay. years prior. Uh, so we kind of had this connection. I started at Avery and just kind of, you know, ground up, did packaging at first, taping boxes and loading uh, pallets, and then went to the brew house, brewed for a couple of years on, on the brew deck, and then took over the cellar department and kind of commissioned, like, their yeast prop system. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, Chris and I, like, as he, as he mentioned, we met at Avery uh, when he started, and 
started having some conversations about doing our own thing. So what was your, I'm gonna, I, I wanted to kind of really nail this down. What was the first beer that you had that, that wasn't a, a macro beer? You were like, oh, wow, I want to, I want to make this. I think, honestly, the one that stands out the most is like when I discovered like Sierra Nevada yeah. Pale Ale. Yeah. I mean, I remember being in college and like, I had an I had an appreciation for like craft beer, but like I just, like I have a vivid memory of like sitting on my like back porch like in college in this crappy apartment, and I got myself like a six. It was like a Friday. I got myself mm-hmm. a six pack of like Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, and I was like, this is crazy. It's like hoppy and like bitter, and it's like punching me in the mouth. And I was like, this is what beer is. Mm-hmm. This is what beer should be. Because we had graduated from, like like Chris mentioned, like the Boulder Liquor Mart, like Tall Boys of Keystone Ice. And, yeah, good good deal, right? You get yeah. drunk for, like, three bucks. But uh, we then still, you realize the ABV. You're like, oh, I can spend the same money. Exactly. Beer, you get just exactly. Drunk. We actually have exactly. a case of Keystone Ice in the fridge at home right now. Smart but, man. Yeah. So what was it? Well, sorry, what was your beer then, Chris? Yeah, well, I was, was going to ask beer? that question. Chris has his probably his own beer, right? Uh, Not well, Keystone Ice. Uh. It probably was fat tire. So yeah, that makes sense. Sure. Yeah, I mean, we used to drink Long Trail in high school because <laughs> uh, it was so cool to us that magic hat. But you know, I didn't quite have the palate to understand why we did that. You know, in high school, you don't know anything, literally. <laughs> but so I certainly had no idea about anything with beer, and so we used to buy that because it felt cool, but yeah. it never really got me jazzed. And then you know, you get to college, and it's the old Coors Light, Key Light, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and then I don't know, your palate gets a little bit more refined. You start yeah. caring about, uh, you know, maybe what you're eating and what you're drinking more. And uh, you know, about midway through college, we started drinking uh, Sunshine Wheat and yeah. Fat Tire, and. That just kind of got the whole thing going. I remember loving Rogue, which is not a brewery that I drink much of anymore at all. But Rogue was great. In fact, my first Sierra Nevada, I hated. But it was, it was again, it was high school, you know. Yeah. And you're like, what is wrong with it? Like, something's wrong with this. Yeah. <laughs> it's somebody better. flipped a switch in like '95, '96, '97, '98. I don't know who it was, but beer got flipped on its head. Well, I mean, where you two are coming from, right? We have that West Coast, the East Coast. I mean, I think those are two major factors in the beer that a lot of people drink now would be not just Sierra Nevada, but, you know, uh, uh, Deschutes I would throw in there or, um, uh, uh, shit, um, you know, Boston Brewing Company, obviously. Sure. But we expect so much more now of our beer. I mean, everybody, it's not even just us, the four of us, it's it's everybody, right? I mean, especially of our demographic. Our Everybody's age. a beer snob now. No. For, yeah, I mean, even a lager's got to taste good. Like, yeah. It, it, it really is funny when you go back to, uh, you know, some of those, like, formative beers that you had when you were younger, and you have this, like, glowing, like, memory of how it changed your whole perception of beer, and they're still really, really yeah. good beers, but you try them now, and you're like, yeah, that's, like, that's like kind of what I can get at, like, any beer no- or any brewery now. Yeah. You know, like, it, it was, it was mind-blowing at the time, but, like, that has, like, turned itself into a whole trend and like now they're the reason there are so many breweries and there are so many like great brewers in america is because of these beers so you go back to like your 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 first experience with a great beer and you're like it's it's not quite as exciting as i remember it being because it's everywhere now you know it really is it is so why call to arms what's the name well so you know we we pretty much had great jobs at avery i mean we loved being there uh we were managers um 
Mr. Manager. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, nice it's reference. Always money, always it's actually money just in the it's, it's actually just manager. But, um, so yeah, you God, know these are my soulmates. I'm gonna leave and I'm just gonna become a brewer here. Yeah, <laughs> fuck tenure. I'm coming here. You need tenure to pay for this. You don't know okay. what we pay yet. So yeah, yeah. Um, you interrupted. It he was, it he was about to tell you. He was about to tell you the fall from grace or the call to arms. Well, so yeah, we had really good jobs. You know, health insurance, 401k is. Uh, you know, in the brewing industry, it takes a long time to get into management. Uh, a lot of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in John's case, brewing degree, which is incredibly valuable, and. Um, so, you know, we had really wanted to do this, uh, and finally it was like, you know what, it's either now or never, because we could just see the industry growing, and it was like, if we wait a couple more years, we were worried we'd be late to the party, and that maybe, um, you know, it would just be more difficult, and we wouldn't really be able to brew exactly what we want to brew, and maybe we just had to follow trends, et cetera, et cetera. So, we felt like it was our call to arms, our time to go, and that's wow. where it came from. Boom. Wow. Great it's way name. more simple. Yeah. Classy logo, too. I mean, this place is... Yeah. Well, and the logo's tied in, too, because yeah. we, you know, we've always, like, appreciated and have a fascination for, uh, you know, like, old English pubs and, like, mm-hmm. that, like, East Coast, like, Bostonian-style yeah. pub. Like, you know, think of, like, Cheers or something, yeah. and that's why we have that massive handmade wooden bar out there that costs way too much money. But, like, we wanted that... Uh, and we want it to feel cozy and like like your neighborhood pub as opposed to just the sterile chipotle esque mm-hmm. like uh, stainless steel like tap room thing. Right. Tell us more about that function too that you guys provide for this neighborhood especially because yes we love talking about this and maybe maybe for me especially it's I get super excited about it but a brewery to me is about the neighborhood that it's in and the people that are in the area and. We talked a little bit about Declaration earlier. And Declaration, I was an early adopter, not because of the beer, but because of the proximity to my house. This place, and I complained about it right off the bat, it's too far from my house to hit up on the reg. But every time I'm in here, you can tell the people that live here play here. They love it. And it's awesome. So tell us, how do you guys fit into Berkeley as the neighborhood spot? Well, like, like you said, I mean, that's a that's a newer thing in Denver as a city, right? It's like... Years ago, it was kind of just like North Denver, South Denver, West Side, East Side, um, and now, like with the like, basically all the revitalization they've been doing across Denver, like there's this uh, resurgence of like neighborhood pride, right? So like if you live in like the Highlands, like you're stoked on the Highlands, you uh, go to all the businesses in the Highlands. Those are your regular spots. That's where you're at every night, and so like that's what we wanted from the get-go and so being able to go into a neighborhood like this that has people that have been here for years people that are raising their families here and there's such a sense of like neighborhood pride and they're happy that we're open and we're happy to serve them there's this real big community aspect where it's like you have right every night we have you know dozens of regulars we know people by name they know us by name they come in they do events here they have their kids birthday parties here and that's what we wanted that's like that's everything that we wanted coming from a regional packaging brewery that was, you know, rather impersonal uh, in that sense because, like, you're just shipping out pallets of beer to, like, fucking Sweden or yeah. something. You and and no it doesn't, it doesn't feel it. good inside. So, like, we wanted that here where we know people and there's this regularity back and forth. And who said the same thing? Darren and Taylor. 
at Spangling. I'm just saying. Come from Great Divide. Some so of these the exact same thing. Like good people over there. Yeah, yeah we like yeah, the boys guys. at Spangling. But that's why they started. Same kind of thing. You just want to be that place. So um, obviously, it's very walkable. People can get here. Like, what's some, what's the demographic? You get a lot of kids here. Or? Oh my God! Yes. Yeah. Kids. Ki- we, what are we talking? How are we defining kids today? Young kids. Fam- you know, parents. Yeah. Pa- parents people are kids. kids. Yeah. 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 I come. I've I've been in here at least five times with my family. Yeah. And yeah. kids and a nephew that. Yeah, so that's the other that's the other part of it, right? Is like you you know your your clientele, yeah. and we're a family friendly place. Um, you can bring your dogs out on the patio, hang out, bring your kids. You know, we're not going to babysit them for you, yeah. but like everybody's welcome here, families, the whole deal. Um, and and we wanted that, you know, not this like exclusive like high end beer bar or this like remote location. We wanted to be in the heart of a neighborhood and be a part of the neighborhood. I love it. So Chris, you had said when you set out, this was not going to be about distribution. Yeah, what kind of conversation do. was that with Well, with I mean, it, you know, it kind of came down to if we're going to do this, we better do it right and the way we really want to do it. Right. Um, we've never, there are two things essentially that we would not sacrifice, which is one, quality, and um, two, what we're really passionate about making. Um, you know, barrel beer is something John and I both love to make. It's difficult, takes a long time, and we have no space for it. So uh, we definitely have as much of that going as we possibly can um, and having diversity in our styles. So we have 14 taps, and almost always every single tap is full. And, and we're not talking about, like, making an IPA and then adding, you know, hibiscus to it, making a hibiscus IPA, and then making a cucumber IPA. You know, we're not brewing one batch and just adjuncting it into four taps. Like, we like to keep as many yeast strains as we possibly can in-house, as many different styles as we can. And we like to challenge ourselves, like John was saying, you know, historically. We like to bring back styles like a Dutch Kuwait, which is just, you know, beers that people have never even heard of right. that we're trying trying to revitalize and update in any certain way, um, you know. And then, of course, like I was saying, the quality. I mean, uh, we're never shy to dump beer. It's just if you got to do it, it's the right thing to do. So, Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, this is, seems like a new progression in the podcast, but I like looking at the menu. Yeah, for sure. Talking about it. Right now I see four cores, which I think is, if you know what the hell you're doing, four cores is probably a good solid stable. Yeah, we go between three and five, depending on the time of year and okay. what the availability of the schedule is. And, and then uh, I see seasonal and single batch, quite a few of those. What's, uh, I mean, here's, here's my first question. I've seen a couple of Marzins lately that seem to be seasonal, but I would not identify that as in season. Uh, you're absolutely correct. Okay. We, uh, <laughs> I feel better about that this. Was, uh, no, no, you're absolutely right. That was a collaboration brew that we did uh, with some vendors for the Craft Brewers Conference here in Denver. And we joked about it. They, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, that's the, uh, that's the beer they wanted. And I was like, well, that beer is good anytime. But we, we like, had the, like, hashtag not seasonally appropriate thing on it. So, now I feel know. better about this. Cause yeah, you're totally I mean, right. You, you guys aren't the only ones I've seen a Marzen in style right now in the tap room just in the last two weeks. To be fair, it would be brewed right. in March, right? You know, as you right, guys know. Right, right. It would be and brewed, so we brewed in March. It in March, but since we didn't have to cellar it the entire summer, All right. uh, we were like, well, it's ready now. Let's do it. So. All right. So there's a good excuse. You got you to gotta brew it in 
October to make it. Right, in right. Nowadays, right. you have to brew it like when you're ready to freaking pour the thing. That's right. I, I'm not afraid of a Marzen ever, so that'll be um, my next beer because I'm gonna have at least two. Uh, so wait, I gotta really ask him something. Um, uh, you were featured in the last episode of the Brewers Associations or the last version of the Brewers Association um, publication. We're in Neil Brebound? Brebound? No, uh, no, no, in the uh, in the magazine. Oh, yeah, we well, were. Yeah, you were. You yeah, were. Fuck, that's news <laughs> to me. Wow, yeah, yeah, me dude, too. Hell yeah! You gotta stop dropping surprises on our interview no, no, guests. No, this was this was. Uh, it was like the. We the totally one knew about that. Obviously. Wait, wait, wait. You're wait, obviously wait. revealed. I need more information here. Was, I don't know was, anything it was about what this. What to expect this summer? And and you guys were one of from the, the ones. BA. From the BA. Oh, hell yeah! Wait, wait, wait. Yes. Do you guys know people at the BA? Because it might be worth a phone call. It was the one that had ratio on the cover. Okay, cool. How do you know this? Because I read it. How did you get it? We got it when we checked into CBC. Oh, I tossed it in the recycle. So, yeah, well, no, I actually read it. Here That's we go. All, it's on so this. you just want to throw us away? No, this exactly right. I this didn't know you were in it. Nobody told me. I didn't Sam, know we were in I it either. Yeah, yeah, I feel cool. better. About the, the Denver guys are like, I don't know. I had ESPN the magazine on my coffee table, and I was like, oh, I'm going to throw this on there. Way more conversation with that than, than ESPN the magazine. I don't have a coffee Nobody table. wants to see Nick Bosa. They want Very to cool. Beer. We'll take it. Yeah. So you know, we're in so many magazines <laughs> these <Yeah>. days. <laughs> I can't even count. My God, I, I hard to keep fingers. track of them all. And take my boots off. <laughs> Congratulations boots, for being featured in the BA publication for Craft Brewers Conference. Yeah. Well, so, thank you guys. Yeah. So, yeah. So I don't know. Guess, okay. You know, if you don't want to distribute, which I totally get, I, I mean, you don't want to grow too much. So, so yeah, so ninety-two percent of our stuff is sold on site. Okay, so where where can we find your stuff? It, it's all it, if we're doing any distribution, it's in kegs and very very limited bottles. How do you how do you choose those places? Price keg prices? No, no. How do you choose the places that will? Uh, oh, I mean, you, places, yeah, places. The places. Um, I don't. We try to stay focused on accounts that really care okay. care about the beer. Um, have great selections, you know, the kind of lineup that you want to be featured on or with. Right. Um, you know what he's stacked up next to Coors Light, PBR, I mean, and they got Goose Island. Well, we'll only be stacked nice. up yeah. it with Coors Original, just to be clear. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> um, I was going to try to do my best. I, you know, I don't know. We it. don't exactly <laughs> have the notoriety to be like, oh, we're going to choose this, bur- this bar, this You're beer. probably the biggest brewery. That we've interviewed. I would, that I would, is for from, sure not true. That's, no, that's you guys <laughs> are a couple of charmers. And I'm, yeah. No, I'm no, no, no. Whatever he's saying. How many pints did you have before you yeah, got yeah, here? I had three. Um, <laughs> of, of the regionals. <laughs> I, I, since I, 11 a.m. No, no. I, I would say, like, you guys are revered. You, you're, you okay. They don't know this. Physically, yeah. production, they may not be the biggest. Definitely I mean, one the of the earliest. One of the earliest. One of the most maybe well-renowned. But again, it's a local niche, right? So yeah. I, you know, we want to be. We always have wanted to be that word of mouth brewery. Yeah. Um, and you know the fact that like people recognize our name and are maybe like excited about some beers that we make, like that is so intensely gratifying. But like it, it we're we're such humble guys that we're just like, I don't know, man. We just make beer, and like. I think some people like it and that's cool. And that's like, that's all I need. That's like, that's my life right there. It's like, we make beer. We're happy with the beer that we make. We think we do a good job of doing like a a wide variety of styles. Um, But yeah, we've never, we've never set out to be that like 
hypey like tran brewery that's like on the front page of like hop culture magazine it's just like yo dude like you're in denver and somebody asks like what are five breweries i should see like i hope that they mention us but like that's 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 i all it is this is know? something i've been thinking a lot about lately and now you're gonna and make him vocalize no, it. I love well, that. Yeah, yeah. So I've never really vocalized this. So I do. Damn, I do. I do it with provocative. I do it with caution. But I, I would love to think that you know we're around in 25 years. I think. Uh, I think it would be great if if we could get to a point where it's like you're 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 well known and you're dependable, and it's kind of the my brother's bar of craft breweries yeah. where it's like, Oh yeah, no, if you haven't been there, that's where you want to go. Like I, I, I would love that to be us. I would love it if, if we were that place. Yeah. You know? So the next beer name, 2045. At what point do you go? Like how many barrels do you go? Okay. We made X amount of barrels. Now we don't have to work 12 hour days, six days a week. So we, I mean, we, we talk about that all the time. We had a really good conversation last week and honestly the week prior to that. And we have done the math and we've realized that like, hey, we can do X, Y, and Z to this facility and create this many barrels a year. Mm-hmm. But if we want to keep growing and get to that point where it's like, all right, cool. Like now we're kind of like managing a couple locations exactly. as opposed to just like grinding it out and running one day in, day out by ourselves. Like we know what that means, um, you know, with this market what that's going to end up being is kind of up in the air. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a conversation you have as a business owner every day of your life. Like what's the, what's the next step? How do you know that you're like, cool, we're set. Let's take a step back and work on like running the company as mm-hmm. opposed like right now we're running the company. Right. As far as like actually making it work. Uh, at what point do you get to like, well, we're just managing the company now and let's make sure like numbers are good and the trajectory is there. So we talk about this too much. They do, they do better stuff than you and I could ever do, by the way. Like, yeah. Yeah, I can't. I just teach people stuff. I don't do anything. You're just a banker. I, yeah, I really yeah. don't do anything. Sean, did you hear that? Um, I don't know what I was going to say. First of all, word of mouth for sure. You guys have killed it there. But there's something to be said for being humble and just saying, yeah, let's ride is. this shit out. There is. No, nobody in here has said... We're going to buy a canning line. We're going to add a second location. We're going to triple yeah. our production. We're yeah. going to put in three tap rooms by 2020. Um, and not that we've heard that everywhere we've been, or do we want to hear that? But keep there, it simple, stupid, I, right? Yeah. I think Simple, I, yeah. stupid, man. Yeah. I think John and I are generally cautious when it comes to growth because – so when I start, do you remember what we were making barrelage in 2010 at Avery? Maybe like, 20,000, like, yeah, 25? 20, 20 some thousand barrels. Yeah, and so whatever. the year we left, we were making 52,000. So okay. we, we saw this exponential growth. And the coolest thing about Avery is that they were just relentless mm-hmm. about how can we invest back in the company? How can we keep the quality high? How can we hire the best people? And that was so awesome. And I think we both took a lot from that. But when you're not growing at that level or making 20,000 barrels a year, you don't necessarily have the funds to just be like, cool, we're just going to pop in a location. We're just going to keep growing. So, you know, as business owners, do we want to grow? Absolutely. Do we have people to pay back? Absolutely. You know, so, um, you know, we just want to do it in the right way 
that makes sense with our brand and with our um, expectations of what the beer is going to taste like from you know just a flavor profile and quality standpoint and how do we do that in the best way that we know how and i think you know part of us is you know you bide your time you wait for the right opportunity and like you know everybody who's involved in the company probably would be psyched if all of a sudden we were you know churning and burning and doing three thousand barrels a year or what what have you but um i think uh right now especially with the state of industry <laughs> yeah Right. Uh, the state of the industry now, it's just, it's all, you know, it's always on to the next trend. And you the, know, oh, so you the other issue with, with rapid growth too, and, you know, we, we kind of got to see it firsthand is like, if you're growing like 50% a year, it's like, it's like striking oil, right? Like all of a sudden you're showered with all this fucking money and all these like crazy like thoughts and ideas for expansion and it's easy to kind of like run away with that and it's easy to like be like oh well this this is gonna this incredible like flow of money is gonna continue forever right so like let's go out on a limb this year and let's go out on a bigger limb next year and let's go out on a huge limb the year after that and and sometimes like you know as is the case with anything housing market beer market anything it can kind of like retract and collapse on you and all of a sudden you're left holding the fucking bag and like it's i i've always said and chris agrees and we talk about all the time like slow measured growth is like a the most responsible thing to do and b it it eliminates some of that worry right like you look at odell brewing company yeah i was gonna say they never set out they never (laughs) set out to be like this massive like national presence they were like if we can grow 10 percent a year forever will be so fucking long term man. and yeah. that's what we that's what we do and it comes those are back the, to that 2045 thing you know yeah. we'd love to just be around and be, be around dependable and be great and still be making great beers that we're happy with so yeah, we yeah. well still yeah it's funny we did that as an april fool's joke that coors bought us for a billion and one dollars <laughs> holy shit dude some people believed it no we like had, we there got was like flack on social media people were like screw these guys, they sold out. We were like, that was a cardboard check that we made ourselves that is not a real thing. Yeah, That's we, the next question. If we, these two are actually going to answer it, let's, let's ask it. We, all right, well, hold on now. No, no, not that. What? Let's get, we never, ever get an honest answer about this from a the small brewery that actually gets somebody to buy them. I bet we do, but whatever. What is it? I mean, you guys are actually making good beer. There's a reason why Thank somebody you. would come to, to buy your stuff. What would that conversation even look like? What do you I guys think. do, like as as owners? Do, well, like uh, you don't we have, have to, to be specific, but like, what does that? As friends and owners, what? do you go? Okay, what do we do? Well, no, don't, we know, can cut this out if you want us to. Luckily, or maybe not luckily for us, we've never been in that situation. <laughs> <But> <laughs> yeah, you know, I have to beat them off with a stick every day coming yeah. to the front door trying to buy us, scat, but. Uh, yeah, come, no, not today, guys. Maybe Tuesday. Yeah. Look, uh, everything has a price, right? And this is this is what. Even the bigger and better brewers have told us. No, I'm not selling out. But dot dot. It's not dot. even selling out. Can we no, be, it's not. Can we be completely honest here? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, 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 I always talk about it. And it's you like, guys got to have a number. We 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 take so much pride in everything. Obviously, we've discussed that. But like, we're we're honest with ourselves, and we and we talk about, it, we joke about. It, we're like, dude, if somebody fucking came to our door and was like, here's, it would never happen. Obviously. Because the valuation, blah, blah, blah. But like, if somebody came to your door and was like, here's $100 million, you'd be a fucking idiot yeah. if you didn't take it. You don't it. pass also, that. I asked the question know. because so many of us craft beer drinkers yeah. go, oh my God, they sold out. 
Fuck you yeah. guys. Yeah, but, but has anybody ever come to your door and like, said that? Try making beer. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that's why I was giving you guys well, the opportunity. Well, here, here's the thing. Yeah. First of all, you know, traditionally, brewers don't make a ton of money. Right. So they anytime I see yeah. somebody sell out, I'm like, you know what? That guy yeah. worked his tail off for a lot of years, and he got what he deserved. And He earned that shit. He earned it, you know? And in any other industry, you sell to a bigger company or whatever, they're patting you on the back all the way to the Except bank, music. you know? Music, um, and, and here, you know, the localization and independence has been a big thing of our industry for a long time and uh that is part of who we are and that's who we want to be and we don't necessarily think about or even talk about getting sold out or, or yeah. as you guys, out, as you you know, guys can just, see from our business model yeah like we it, it's very apparent when a new brewery opens like what their end goal is sure and when they open with 60 barrel tanks and a canning line and like a warehouse of forklifts and like pallets of beer going out. It's very clear what they're up to. Yeah, we they want somebody like to pay get off that this valuation in five years. Ramped up, yeah, right? Ramp up the valuation and put the valuation up to the ceiling and sell in five years. Clearly, that's not our. I mean, look around. This is not our business model. But the that being said, if somebody showed back. up and was like, "Here's X amount of million dollars," you're gonna have a serious fucking conversation about it. Would you have still that. want full control over the beer? Depends on how much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I think we're generally happy with what we do. I mean, there, there, there's the reason I say generally is just because being a business owner is stressful. You know, right. I mean, inevitably month to month, especially right. on the retail model. You know, maybe the weather is bad. Like we've had to close three days this year. That's a first for us. And so, like you feel, you feel that. You know, whereas distribution, it's like you could be flat on like 20 of your 30 markets, right? But 10 of those tw- of those 30 are doing really mm-hmm. well. And so it nets all to like 2% growth, so you're still growing. Right. Like and all, it's just a revenue thing too. Right, so right, like right. you have the revenue, fuck it. Sure. Yeah. But, but you're not looking people in the eye, right? right? You're not hearing how much they like your beer. So you don't give a shit at that point. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it, this is who we are. We live and die by what the tap room does. So, you know, if you have to close three days in the first quarter, like inevitably that quarter is not going to look as good. You have no other way to subsidize ba- bad sales in one market with another market. Because we Yeah, I never work. thought I'd hate the weather so much or especially hate the snow <laughs> it's been a bad so year. much. You see a snowstorm, yeah, you're like, you know, God bomb damn it. cyclones and such. Yeah. 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 Thank you. You guys... Nice push. Sam is f- farting more than we've ever had farts in a podcast before. Are we going over here? You're not waving them off. No, we're they want to keep going. So we're going to keep going. We get these opportunities very often. No, we don't. Um, we're going to have to break this episode, this podcast. This is going to get two. Two weeks. Get two weeks. Um, we're also kind of actually okay with that because Sam's going out of the country for a month. I am. Um, oh, where are you going? Australia. No, no way. That's awesome. Have you been there? I have not, but I've always wanted to go. I've, I've got a list of brewers I've got to go to, so I think I'm going to take the podcast kit. Are you going to have a chance to get to uh, Tasmania? No, just going sorry, going to New Zealand. The uh, Alexa, Australia, gotcha. New Zealand. Yeah. Okay, so, I mean, it's got to be, what's it like to actually make good beer in this place and not try to blow it up? Try and to what? Be, try to what? Like, we drink a lot of shitty beer that's on shelves, to be quite honest, right? We drink a lot of you shitty beer. You guys make good beer. It's like mockery, right? We were there like, this is really good beer. Like, but they don't want to make a bunch of scalable beer. They want to make, you know, mushroom beer and, and, you know, crazy stuff. But you guys, you make a, a standard session IPA or you make a good lager and then... I think the coolest thing about it is because we are small and because we do get to push it over the bar 
for us, it's it's very personal. Okay. Like we have hundreds of conversations about you know what should we do on this beer, what should we do. I mean, we were talking about today. We've got uh, two beers that we're brewing on Monday, two different beers, completely brand new recipes. Okay. And so you get to sit down. You get to sit down yep. and. Thanks, um, you know, kind of like work through the numbers on that and figure out what you want to make. And Thanks, for us, Nick. it's it's Thanks, really Nick. it's really cool to be like, hey, this beer is. We think, at least Chris and I do, that this beer is awesome. We don't want to blow it up, but we get to see it move over the bar, and we get to like stand there and talk to people and mm-hmm. see it like pint by pint go across the bar. Yeah. And that, you know, in the back of your head, you're like, yeah, we could probably scale this up into something like ridiculous and massive but you know as we said we don't want to I love it's it. just it's a satisfaction thing for us to be like this beer is great and maybe only 500 of you people will ever get to try it You're like the smiths of denver brewing <laughs> that's like probably the highest compliment we've ever received <laughs> that's good that's good <laughs> what are you drinking here what is so this? yeah we i just wanted to grab this real quick uh this is a great example of something that we're fortunate enough to do um being small scale is shirtless Putin nuzzling with dolphins. Oh, oh. I saw that on the menu. Yeah, I was so going to ask. Uh, Slow that down because that's a great. Shirtless Putin nuzzling with dolphins. <laughs> so we have kind of a shirtless Putin series. I've it's had all, one in the past, I feel like. It's all based on true propaganda um, that Putin puts out. So nuzzling with dolphins, there is an actual picture of him doing Dude that. Dude hates shirts. Yeah, he, he does. Hates. Well, I mean, if you have pecs like that, you would too. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys see yeah, the video of him on ice skates last week? Oh, that's such no. a good beer. Holy what? fuck. He ate it. Where the, he was where's the computer? In a char- he was in a charity <laughs> hockey tournament. And was skating, and he scored like 17 goals or something. Of course he did, yeah. But he just let him score, right? Skating and waving and wasn't paying attention, and they had rolled out a red carpet that he was supposed to walk over, and he just skated right into it. And that guy's dead. Yeah, exactly. Whoever yeah, the carpet sure. yeah, guy was. Yeah, the guy in charge dead. of the carpet is <laughs> fucking Who made this carpet? I love it. Oh, that is a great name. Yeah, he's in some Siberian prison now, <laughs> like smashing the rocks. <laughs> the so shirtless Putin on a horse, shirtless Putin nuzzling with dolphin, shirtless Putin catching rays. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. Oh, so that's good. Um, so wow. this one is uh, aged in, well, this year we did Breckenridge bourbon barrels. Nice. And it's a <laughs> Baltic porter, so we both love to make life really difficult and put uh, lagers into barrels just so we can make it even longer yeah. and more of a pain. But yeah. uh, so this is a true Baltic porter, lagered for six weeks and then put into Breckenridge bourbon barrels. In the past, it was four roses, um, and then it depends on how long they stay in the barrels till it tastes right, basically. And then we uh, dose it with Sweet Bloom Coffee, the homegrown. Yeah. Um, strain? What'd you call it? Home homegrown yeah. bean. Yeah. The beans, Homegrown yeah. roast? Roast. roast, roast, yeah, yeah. yeah. As far as we know, it's the world's first Imperial Baltic Porter in Breckenridge bourbon barrels. So, so yeah. that's a cool thing. Yeah, that's no, that's cool. an amazing. And thing. it smells like s'mores. It smells amazing. It tastes amazing. I'm looking at the menu, and Chris just hijacked my only line, which was going to read off everything I was supposed to smell and taste. But oh, that's I'm okay. Sorry. No, 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 it's no. Got a good I'm really not good for much on this radio show yeah, it's anyway. Got this, it's got this cool marshmallow thing, man. Like we're really, really pumped on it. We've We've done it, you know, and it has the mild to good, like, taproom success. But, like, it's one of those, like, selfish projects where we're, like, we love this beer. And so we do it every year. And it takes a ton of work and a ton of time and a lot of seller activity. And, and, you know, we like it and people like the name. So, like, it's again, it goes back to our model, right? It's, like, maybe this doesn't, like, 
we're not selling like thousands of units of this beer, but it's something that we're super passionate about. And we like the style of beer. We like the fact that it takes so long. We like the art behind it. And so we keep doing it. A question we don't often get to. Usually it's a few beers in, but I'll ask you guys. How important are just beer drinkers to you guys? Like the idea is, you know, when I went to the Seattle and, and, and interviewed uh, the guys at Fremont Rubens, right? You have to have Dude, beer Fremont drinkers. Fremont is awesome. But you have I to have love beer that drinkers. Brewery. The point was, you have to have beer drinkers to get them to drink craft beer. Mm-hmm. Do you think that way? Like, if you're already drinking Coors Light or Coors Original, we can get you down this rabbit I think hole real quick. I think in the early, or well, I, I would say like in the, and correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, like I, I would say in the 90s and like the earlier 2000s, mm-hmm. you were getting a lot of... Uh, of that crossover from yeah. like your domestic drinkers right. into craft beer. I think craft beer now has been so well established and kind of like has become its own thing. I don't think we're getting a lot of people like crossing over from like your standard like Coors drinkers. But, but can like, you cross over to like a hard liquor to this or a wine drinker to look this? Look at this menu, well, Sam. That, we, that's, we try. We, we really try. Do. I, I mean, you can. The, yeah. that's why, you know, our staff is unbelievably good. I mean, the, you know, basically, if somebody comes in and says, well, I don't normally drink beer, all of them look, all of our staff members look at it like, okay, cool, this is a challenge. And, all right, what do you normally drink? Well, you know, what do you drink for wine? Well, I don't drink wine. Okay, well, what do you drink for cocktails, right? And so, like, they say old-fashioned. Any any of our bartenders would know, all right, old-fashioned, cherry, orange, et cetera, uh, probably fruit forward. Let's try them on these three beers. You know, let's point them in this direction. And the whole goal is to basically that to be like look there are beers out there that work for you even though you typically only drink hard mm-hmm. liquor or wine or what have you mm-hmm. right so. it used to it used to be a one uh what one pony trick one, one trick pony one trick but yeah that's what it is one pony like one trick. Pony yeah, trick. there was just, there that was just one pony and he was doing but that i mean it, it used to be just that it was like we're trying to get like the domestic guys to drink craft beer yeah. but now it's like craft beer has become so eclectic that it's like cool we can do like a juniper berry beer and get like yeah. our, your gin drinkers and we can do like a, a raspberry like sake hybrid like look we at have that now, and it like yeah. get your like wine drinkers involved um so it, it, it's a very different game now than it used to be where it was just like don't drink budweiser drink craft beer now right. it's like what do you like we have something for you nice right how'd you guys run down this uh one pony trick. <laughs> that is a beer name. A thousand percent. I, I mean, we, that's what I said. We could no. sit around here and drink and come yeah, up with could, beer names could. all day. Like you know, like we said earlier, we always try to come up with like new fun things, and sometimes those projects work, sometimes they don't, uh, and you end up dumping the beer. But uh, you know, I did a lot of reading, and I was looking at articles and reading about like other uh, brewers across the country that were really focusing on whether it was like pure sake, like actually making sake or making like beer sake hybrids. Uh, And it was something that Chris and I were both like really fascinated uh, about. So we, you know, decided to kind of like do the hybrid thing. And it's not, it's not sake in the sense that like there's koji involved and it's like actually fermented like true sake. Uh, What we do is just like a 44% uh, rice build into the grist. Oh, so, like, yeah. the grist itself is 44% rice, and it's 100% fermented with uh, sake number seven yeast. So, it kind of, like, kicks off some of those, like, esters that are familiar for, like, sake drinkers and things like that. Um, and then we were like, well, obviously, like, you know, some kind of fruit in there. It's going to be really light. It's going to be dry. It's going to have this, like, really refreshing kind of effervescent thing going on. So, we were like, fruit, sake yeast, a bunch of rice in the grist bill. 
let's go for it. If you get real serious about sake beer hybrids, then you do have to actually um, meet the stylistic guidelines, and you have to have all the ingredients of true sake, which is that like koji. Like, yep. I, I, I don't know enough to like talk about it at length, but it's like that fungus or whatever that like helps like ferment um, the uh, fermentable sugars. Gentlemen, cheers. We have to also get pictures. Cheers. Thank you guys. Yeah. So okay. Hey, thanks My for coming. We really appreciate it. it. All right, take care. Chug a lug, chug a lug. Make you wanna holler. Hi.